0: Good morning, uh, everybody. Welcome to Park Hill Church. My name is Evan, as Drew said, and my wife, Sandy, and I, we love you and we love leading this church together. Like Drew said, today we begin a new teaching series in the last book of the Bible. So if you don't have Bibles, we wanna get you Bibles. And it's really easy to find the book we're in. It's the end. Uh, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand if you don't have a Bible. We'll get you one, pass them out. There's several hands all over and yes, so look at those hands, turn to the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in this book, Revelation, all the way to Advent, so through, through Thanksgiving. So why? Let's start with the why. Why are we doing this? We're going to read the text in a moment. Why, with everything going on in the world right now, not to mention you guys have Classes and jobs and families and all kinds of responsibilities that you're thinking about in this room. There's a diversity of Lives (laughs) and different things some of you guys are like on the surface you're just like why would I take my valuable time 12 weeks with my church to read and study and pray through a book that honestly at first glance feels obscure and just bizarre Wild. It's a document, revelation. It's a document full of kind of scary stuff. If you think about it, there's a man clothed in a robe with eyes on fire and his face is shining like the sun. There's a giant red dragon in this book with 10 horns and seven heads. There's a sea beast, sea monster, with a bunch of horns and heads, and then an earth monster with horns like a lamb, but then it has a voice of a dragon. And creatures with eyes all over their bodies who sing, holy, holy, holy forever, that's what they sing forever. And then four horsemen, you know, like horsemen of the apocalypse. They're in this book. The massive earthquakes. The sun goes dark. The moon turns to blood. Locusts as big as horses with human faces. I mean, come on. The list goes on and it just feels so weird to us. And the main character of the whole book is this gory blood-soaked lamb with seven horns and seven eyeballs. So it's like, what Why? What gives? Like with everything in the world that we could be directly talking about and my person, some of you guys are just like, tell me how to like, like solve debt this Monday, like my financial struggles, or maybe, maybe your life is doing great. You're loving 2022. 2022. And it's way better than 2021 for you and maybe your life's just humming along beautifully and it's like, why stop and think about the apocalypse when you're just pumped on baseball season and pumpkin spice lattes or whatever. Um, so, So that's the question, why? And I can think of at least three reasons why. Reason number one, why we're reading Revelation is because the last book of the Bible is written to people under pressure, just like you just like we are. In particular, they were under the pressure to compromise, to let go of loyalty to Jesus, whether it was pressure to align with a political party instead of Jesus or pressure to go along with popular opinions about sex instead of Jesus. The book was written to people who are under pressure to let go of Jesus as Lord and just go with the flow of culture. So it feels relevant, very relevant. Now, some of the people that this book was written to, they understood this pressure, and they were resisting it. They were pushing back, which is awesome. But a lot of them weren't even aware of the pressure. They were sleeping, just going with the flow, and they were spiritually losing because of it. And so John, he writes to both types of people. He encourages the resistance, and he writes to wake up the sleepers. And all these images and all these weird symbols, they do those two things, to encourage and wake up. So if you feel like, whoa, I'm I'm kind of like leaning in, that's that's the desired effect, that's the desired effect. And so the second reason we're doing this is because no other book I know of in the Bible explains what's going on in the world as well as Revelation does. It gives us a big picture why. For every generation, not just 2023 or whatever, but every year, every generation. It's like, why is all this stuff happening in the world? And it shows us where it's all headed, where it's all headed. And then the third uh, final reason we're diving into Revelation is because this book I believe it paints the most complete picture of Jesus Christ more than any other single book of the Bible. Yes, even more than a single of the, one of the Gospels. It's like, Revelation is like the whole Old Testament plus all four Gospels comprehensively distilled into one book. That's what revelation is, that's what it's doing. So when we read the whole book this way, the way it's intended to be read, we encounter the true Jesus as he is. Not just a Jesus we have in our heads, who agrees with all our desires and agrees with everything and all our politics or whatever, but the real Jesus as he is. And as we humbly behold Jesus in this book, he overcomes our fears and he ignites fresh passion and courage in us. How many of you are in for that? Like fresh passion and courage to hit this next season of life, not just as a church, but as you, uniquely you. So so let's dive in. You have your Bibles open to Revelation 1. Brie Golden, uh, one of our pastors, she's going to come up and read verses 1 through 12. She's going to read this out loud. And <clears throat> if you notice in verse 3, you will notice This is the only book in the New Testament that pronounces a blessing on the one who reads it out loud. So Brie will receive a blessing today, according to Revelation, and it pronounces a blessing on those who hear the reading of this book out loud. That's what verse three actually says. So we're gonna receive God's blessing right now. Uh, It's pretty amazing. So if you're able, let's all actually stand for the reading of the word of God, and go ahead, Brie.
1: All right, Revelation 1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who, and who is to come, the Almighty to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, and I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just turn our hearts to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for revealing Jesus to us. The one true Jesus sent from the heart of the Father to become king of the world and savior of, our, savior of our souls, rescuer from sin. Thank you. Come reveal yourself to us afresh right now, Jesus. And it's in your strong name we pray. Amen. All right. The beginning of Revelation, or more accurately titled the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's the Greek word for Revelation, Apocalypse which simply means like the unboxing, (laughs) really, the unveiling. So it's like this curtain opens, John turns and John sees the true Jesus. And the whole book is the result of John seeing clearly. So one of the most well-known Revelation scholars, Richard Bauckham, he says this about Revelation. I hope this for us. I hope we see this for these 12 weeks. He says, the apocalypse of John, do you have that slide? The Apocalypse of John is a work of immense learning, astonishingly meticulous literary artistry, remarkable creative imagination, radical political critique, and profound theology. That's what we hope to see. We're gonna see that these 12 weeks. But today, here's the goal. For this intro, all I wanna do is talk about how to read the apocalypse, all right? How to read the apocalypse, that's a title of the teaching. So, so John wrote this for a reason, you guys. He has a goal. So how do we read this thing responsibly? I like that, reading Revelation responsibly. That's the title of Michael Gorman's great commentary on Revelation. And I like that because it implies there are irresponsible readings of Revelation. There are irresponsible ways to read it. And we're gonna get into some of those. So how, how do we read this book responsibly? In such a way that we sync up with John's goal. And I think we read it in five ways, and these—this is the sermon for the day. Then talk about these five things, and then we'll we'll come to the table and baptisms. So, how do we read the Apocalypse? Number one, we honor the title. We honor the title. The title of this book is what? The Revelation of Who? Jesus Christ. Yeah. By the way, the title's not Revelations, plural. That's not a word for this title. It's not plural revelations. And it's not even simply revelation, the book of Revelation end. No, it's, and it's for sure, sorry, Old King James Bibles, if you have one of those, Old King James is wrong. The title is not the, revel, the revelation of Saint John the divine. That's not the title. Um, if you look at the first line of the book, it's the revelation from or of Jesus Christ because this book is fundamentally about a person. It's about a person and what this person's gonna do to save us from Satan and sin and death as his family. And so if you're paying attention to your NIV Bibles, some of you might be like, wait, Evan, hold on. The opening line says it's it's the revelation from Jesus. So which is it? Is it of Jesus or is it from him? And the answer is, guess what? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. We're a both hand church. And actually this is a both hand answer. Revelation 1, here it is on the screen, verse 1. It says the revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave Jesus to show his servants what must soon take place. He, Jesus, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So that's how it works, you guys. This is the revelation of Jesus, from Jesus, about Jesus, sent to this guy, John, so that John would then take it to Jesus' servants in San Diego. That's us, Jesus' servants. So so we're hearing the gospel according to Jesus here, which is very beautiful. Now literally, the title is apocalypse. When you hear the word apocalypse, what do you think of? Shout out words. In times, what else? What would you say? Ragnarok, okay, Uh, Apocalypse Marvel, I don't know, bad stuff, like so, so most of you, we hear the word apocalypse and we're like, oh shoot, something bad's gonna happen, right? The modern American dictionary now, the definition of apocalypse is the complete final destruction of the planet, right? And that's what comes to our mind, like riots, crazy 50% humidity, 90 degree weather like this. And, and maybe, maybe you think of, I love dystopian future novels where things are just horrible and you're watching people survive. I love those. That's, that's where we think, somewhere between Walking Dead and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, right? That, that's how apocalypse comes across in the 21st century. Like, oh no, something bad is coming. But listen, that's almost the reverse of the original meaning. In the first century, if someone said, there's an apocalypse coming, it'd be like, finally. Oh good, bring it on, an apocalypse, because apocalypse just means the opening of a window, like when Jake opened these windows and you breathed, you're like, oh, a breeze, the air's moving. Uh, Like pulling back a curtain so that what was there is now visible, that's apocalypse. So who here is visiting San Diego today? You're not from here, you're visiting. Amazing hands. You like the heat? How's it feeling? You guys okay? You doing well? I don't know where you're from. If you're from a colder place, I'm sorry. But the, the thing about San Diego, you guys, is we usually have very apocalyptic weather. It's awesome. Like 270 days a year of apocalyptic, no rain, no clouds in the sky. It's beautiful. Who wouldn't want apocalyptic weather? That's it. So you get the idea, apocalypse, you see clearly, you see the sun, you see the land, you see the beach, and you can lay out and get a tan and just kind of take it all in. There's not cloud cover obscuring your view because it's apocalyptic. So you get the point. This is the title of the book, the unveiling, the clarifying of Jesus. Jesus pulls back the curtain. He's not hidden anymore. He's like, here I am. It's all about me and what I'm gonna do to put Satan down and lift you up if you repent and believe in me. So that's what Revelation is. And, and it's part of this genre of literature, like poetry, history. There's a genre from way back then called apocalyptic. Or as my mentor, Gary Bashir calls it, it's, it's resistance literature. It's awesome, I love that. There's lots of examples of apocalyptic literature written by ancient Jews. It was, it was always written, apocalyptic letters and and. and Poetry and imagery, it was written in times of difficulty, pressure, despair. Like I said at the beginning, this book was written to people under pressure. Pressure to compromise, to stop being faithful to Jesus, and to just go with the flow and make it feel easier to be a Christian, even. If I go with the flow, then I can, it's easier to be a pastor, or it's easier to be a college student, or it's easier to be an employer or an employee if I just kind of lighten up on my loyalty to Jesus in this area. Compromise seems to make things easier as Christians, (laughs) but Revelation reminds us things are more than they seem. Things are more than they seem. With your naked eye and unaided imagination, you won't see things as clearly as Jesus does. Because when followers of Jesus compromise their love for Jesus and his teachings, Guess what, that's actually the least loving thing we can do for God and others, when we let go of Jesus' teachings. So whatever the compromise, I mentioned politics, Revelation gets political, it does get political. So in in politics, whether it's aligning with a certain political party, like I know, I'm a pastor, I talk to a lot of pastors, and I know a lot of American pastors today that are feeling this pressure. Like if I play into a certain political party, I could grow my church. If I like tow the party line, it'll be easier to be a pastor. I won't get so much hate mail. Similarly, a lot of American Christians are feeling pressure to lighten up around sex. Like if I just kind of lighten up on Jesus' clear teachings on marriage and take kind of a more gray, ambiguous approach, then hopefully I won't get people mad at me and it'll be easier for me to be a Christian. This is called living under pressure, you guys, and it's not new. Jesus promised we'd have this pressure. It's been happening for 2,000 years, which is why apocalyptic literature exists. It's written to remind people under pressure of what's actually happening in reality. And here's here's what happened. This, This is two reasons for apocalyptic literature. Number one, it brings you hope. It brings you hope. Apocalyptic. Taking the cover off of the hiddenness and seeing reality, it puts all our present fears in future perspective. You guys, guess what? Jesus is coming. He's physically coming to San Diego. And he's bringing with him a new heaven and a new earth, and you can read all about it in chapters 21 and 22 of this book. And if we just glimpse that future for just a moment, hope will shape your life in the present. And it'll make you the kind of faithful, loving, peace-filled person you really want to be. So the purpose, one, of apocalyptic is to bring you hope. Purpose two is to give you supernatural perspective. These are tied, but supernatural perspective. You guys, this book gives us a window into parts of reality right now in San Diego even that we don't see with our unaided intellect. There's more going around you than you could possibly know on your own. And so the role of apocalyptic literature is to open us to more of reality. And as we're going to walk through this book, it's going to remind us over and over, things are more than they seem. (laughs) Things are more than they seem. Corrupt politicians seem to be winning. Hot windbags in D.C. seem to be the loudest voices in the world. But things are more than they seem. It seems like it would be easier to follow Jesus if I just lighten up on his ethics around Blank, but but it seems that way, but things are more than they seem. Just like on a cloudy day when it seems like there's no sun and a cloud comes out. I mean, the sun comes out from behind the cloud. That's an apocalypse because we realize, hey, how long has the sun been there? The whole time? Yep. The whole time he's been here. And that's the purpose of the book, to help us see this moment in reality. And it turns out the greatest unseen reality of your moment today is the crucified, risen, reigning and coming Jesus of Nazareth. And the question is, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the most real thing in your world and that living for him is the most reasonable thing you could do? Most loving thing, boldly in the face of momentary suffering, do you believe this? Revelation reminds you that that's real. And John, he's gonna, he basically says, if you don't believe this, you don't see reality accurately. So let's honor the title. It's the revelation of Jesus, by Jesus, about Jesus. And you know what this means? If we read the book right, we'll end up at Jesus' feet every time, worshiping. Which also means, you guys, if we end up anywhere other than Jesus' feet after reading this book, you've read the book wrong. Like if we read this book and after we read it, we're like super obsessed on what is the number 666? You haven't read the book right. Or if we read this book and we're preoccupied with, when's the battle of Armageddon? What's gonna happen in the Middle East and like the nukes in the Bible in 2024? If if that's what you come away with from Revelation, you've read the book wrong. Just to illustrate this, my grandpa, he worked for Northrop Grumman. Uh, and he designed, my grandpa designed part of the B-2 Stealth Bomber, uh, which is this airplane that can carry 16 two-ton nukes. And he was this brilliant artist, my mom's dad, and he would sketch accurate scale drawings of these bombers on graph paper for me when I was a kid. They looked amazing because they're perfect. His hand, he had the hand of like like God's gifting on his artistry. And, and he also uh, passed away a few years ago. I love him, to, I love him so much, it's wild. And... Um, Yeah, he's here in Miramar, um, his remains. He also, he also loved Jesus a ton, and he read his Bible like crazy, loved his Bible. And I remember my grandpa talking about Revelation, and he would say, you know, the Battle of Armageddon, it's going to be fought, and we've got to be ready for it, and these planes, they might be part of it. And... Now, listen, I love him, and I can't wait to see Grandpa in the new heaven and new earth, but Grandpa had the wrong reading. In his defense, his way of reading Revelation has been massively popular for the last hundred years, especially in just this last century, especially just in America in a very unique way, and it's the reading he learned in his community, but it's simply the wrong reading. The book title is not The Revelation of the War of the Worlds. And by the way, here's good news for you, good news for the world, and it's kind of a spoiler alert for Revelation. The battle of Armageddon, it never gets fought. (laughs) The battle actually never happens the way all of the fighters wanted it to. It's never fought, the kings gather for it. All the kings of the earth, they gather, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? Jesus Christ shows up and it's over before it starts. The battle doesn't even get going, you guys. So think of all the global, like, politics. Think of all the global politics that have gone on thinking that there's this battle to be fought. Meanwhile, Jesus wins. Jesus wins it. Satan and death and all their friends lose. So let's keep that title clear. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So number one, honor the title. How to read the apocalypse. Number two, appreciate John's experience. John is on the prison island of Azkaban. Just kidding. He's trying to wake you up. Harry Potter. He's on another prison island. He's on the prison island of Patmos. So think Azkaban if you want. Um, It's this island where people were exiled who were anti-empire or whatever. So why is he there? Answer, he refused to compromise. And so it's Sunday in Azkaban and he's on the island and he says he's in the spirit I'm in the Spirit. I'm worshiping. It's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday morning back home, so it's Sunday morning in prison, and I'm worshiping. And then he hears a loud voice like a trumpet, and I love what John says here. Revelation 1.12, he says, and I turned to see the voice. You guys, that is true worship in one line. This is what we're doing here. This is why you're sitting in what feels like 96 degrees because of the humidity. We're gathering here to worship Jesus because we are physically turning our emotions and bodies to position ourselves to see, to acknowledge the authority of the Lamb, who is the God who speaks, and we're saying yes to his voice. This is worship. We turn to see his voice. This is why we're doing Seek First Sunday tonight. We're gonna turn to see his voice every first Sunday of the month. And notice the voice comes from outside John. It's not his own voice, it's not a figment of his imagination. He welcomes the presence of the great other, Jesus Christ. And after he worships, he sees reality clearly. You guys, this is the way to see reality clearly. Psalm 73, I enter the sanctuary and then I understand. This is the perspective Jesus gives us. And he sees, and then 24 times in Revelation, we're gonna see that phrase, I saw, and then I saw, and then I saw, and then I saw. He sees this all in response to Jesus' goodness. Now question, what did John see? What is this craziness? What is this experience on Patmos? Well, I would like to describe it as a living drama. John sees a vision, think of like an animated play. Just plays out before your eyes. I think what happened that day is Jesus put on a production for John in vision form and it has a ton of scenes and settings and supporting actors. There's light and sound effects. There's things he tastes. All five senses are listed in Revelation. His whole person is engaged here. Imagine a 5d immersive entertainment experience. This is what Jesus is giving John and, and how Jesus does this, it doesn't say. I have no doubt Jesus can give visions. He does it all the time. Even in this church, he gives prophetic moments that encourage people's lives. No one knows how he did it, but Jesus uses imagery from John's political world. Some Roman images are in Revelation, but mostly Jesus uses a ton of Old Testament stuff. Did you know this? 150 quotes, at least, probably more than that if you count just allusions from the Old Testament are in Revelation, So there's a good chance if you know your Old Testament, you're gonna read Revelation right. By the way, this is why regular Bible reading is critical to your spiritual life. This is why we put scripture reading in our rule of life as a church. We get to know God's heart by soaking ourselves in God's words. This is why you must read. You must take up and read to be a follower of Jesus. So Jesus puts on this play for John, this animated vision, and also note this, you guys, this is a letter. Did you know Revelation is a letter? Can you imagine like your beloved uncle or, or your dad who's away doing something and he's like, son, I'm gonna, daughter, I'm gonna write you a letter and, 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 it, and it comes to you and it's like this 12 act sci-fi fantasy drama love note for you that he invented. That's epic, that's so much love. You guys, I'd love my dad to write me Star Wars episode 10, you know. And I'd just be like, this is amazing. I didn't know there was more. This is, this is the thing. Jesus is composing a masterpiece, a, a animated play for John. And so here's why I'm saying that it's this vision, this play. Here's why I'm saying this. It's important. Slide 10, I think. He's, in this incredible letter, John does not interpret what he sees. He just describes it. That's important. Why? He's not gonna tell us all the meanings of everything. Do you understand? That's really important. That's like really important for reading this thing. Because here's why. Um, Reading Revelation well, it means this is what we do. We see, we go back, we ask. This is what John was doing. We see what John sees, a symbol, whatever. We go back to the Old Testament source, and then we catapult that into our own lives. Those three steps are essential. If you miss the go back to the Old Testament, then you can fill in the meaning however you want about any future thing. That's not what's happening though. Here's an example, here's what I mean. In chapter five, Jesus Christ is a lamb, like who's, he's a gored lamb, like he's violently slain, slaughtered, and he has seven horns, Jesus, He's been gutted, he's bleeding out, and he has seven horns and seven eyes. This is terrifying, you guys. <laughs> if you're not terrified by that vision, uh, then you're not seeing it correctly. This is as gory as it gets. Now is that what Jesus looks like right now? No, Jesus is not an animal, he is a human, a God-man. So I hope that's not what he looks like, <laughs> like a seven-eyed, seven-horned, flying purple, whatever, you know what I mean? So, uh, so. What John sees is the symbol Jesus chose to present himself in, understand? That's key. So John sees a gory lamb with seven eyes. So we see that, which makes us go back to the Old Testament, which is Leviticus, a lamb that is killed so that the guilt of the people can be free, the shame of the people can be removed. Oh my gosh, we long for this lamb now. Oh and, oh, and seven eyes, seven horns, that's Zechariah 4. The seven eyes of Yahweh that delight in his daughter Zion. Oh, this lamb isn't just ah-emotional. Uh, no, he has deep emotions for you that are delight. He forgives us, he delights in us. This is what we're, re- this is the lamb. Who doesn't want that? I'm so glad I went back to the Old Testament for that. And that's what we do with all the images. See how that works. You see it, you go back and then you ask for today. Think of a catapult. You load it up in Revelation, you bring it back into the Old Testament, and then you, like, send it to today. What does it mean for us today? That's what to do. That's how to read Revelation. And so another example, Revelation 9, you guys. This one, in Revelation 9, we're gonna meet some crazy locusts. They're strong as horses, with human faces. Terrifying. So I remember my Thursday night kids' church in the 90s. I was taught a very specific version of Revelation (laughs) in my kids' church. And, And the Sunday school teacher was like, well, you know, John saw these locusts, but he was looking way into the future. And what he saw was a helicopter and probably an Apache helicopter because it's like got the sound like horses and you can see the human in the glass through the window. So since John didn't know what a helicopter was, he just pulled from locusts to describe it or whatever. Now listen, zero offense to my loving, kind, amazing Thursday night kids class teacher, but that's not what happens in Revelation 9. Here's what happens in Revelation 9, are you ready? Jesus puts locusts in front of John's eyes and John sees locusts. That's what happened. And so we see what John sees and we go to the Old Testament and we sling it into today. Today, what does that mean in Old Testament? And then, how does God's heart relate to us today through that scene? That's how you read. And so, okay, you're getting the idea here. Ultimately, the point I'm making here is that what John is doing in this letter is he's telling us what he sees. He's not giving us the detailed information of every meaning it could possibly mean. He's just saying, I saw, and again, I saw, and I saw. Something Jesus is showing him. So let's honor the title. Let's appreciate John's experience. And then number three, let's keep the big picture in view. This is how you read the apocalypse. You keep the big picture. And the big picture is actually pretty simple. There's an intro, a conclusion, and a big vision. You got it? (laughs) Intro, conclusion, then a big vision in the middle. And so that's the basic structure right there. And some scholars like to make the big vision like seven parts and then seven parts in seven parts because the number seven's cool or whatever. I think that's forced, Uh, but it could could be a fun way to read. I think Daryl Johnson's approach is the most helpful one I've seen. He wrote a book called Discipleship on the Edge. Highly recommend you get Daryl Johnson, Discipleship on the Edge, so good. And he builds this outline around the word open because the word open shows up four times in Revelation, and each time it's like a chapter break. Next slide. Chapter four, a door open in heaven. I saw a door open, and then in chapter 11, the temple of God which is in heaven was open, and then the temple of the tabernacle inside the temple was open, and then all of heaven breaks open. See that progression? Awesome. I think that's what Revelation is leading us into, deep intimacy with God, as the onion layers get further and further open. Just like C.S. Lewis says, we're going further up and further into this thing. And the word open marks the sections. So um, that's the big picture. Now a question that comes up with Revelation is like, but wait a minute, Evan, like isn't Revelation about the future? Isn't Revelation about the future? Like doesn't this book help us predict things? Um, And the answer, I believe, and there's debate on this, obviously, and it's not something we're going to divide over, but I believe the answer is mostly no. Is this book about the future? Does it help us predict things? And I would say mostly no. Revelation is mostly not about only future events, and the purpose is not to read it going, okay, it's 2022. What happens next? What's 2023? That's not the purpose. In fact, the only part of Revelation that I believe, again, debatable stuff, free to unify, regardless uh, of the disagreement here, the only part of Revelation that is clearly future, only future, is the last two, maybe three chapters with the final defeat of Satan and the new heavens and new earth. Everything else has import directly on today's events. Uh, And future, it's like this Venn diagram of layers until you get to the end and it's all coming. So... Here's why, slide 15, here's a critical thing to keep in mind about the plot. It's not linear. The plot of Revelation is not chronological. It doesn't move in a straight line. Many times the vision takes us back over territory we've already covered, but from a higher angle. Remember the further up and further in vision, like an onion layer. So when we read Revelation, we don't ask, all right, what happens next for us? What's 2025? Instead we ask, what did John see next? That's the right question. Not what are we gonna see, but what did John see? Because what John sees next might not happen next for you or us or the world today. In fact, what John sees next may have happened a long time ago, right? So good rule of thumb. I am sweating humidity from heaven and earth, it's crazy. So, so a good rule of thumb for me, you guys, is whenever I'm reading Revelation, I'm like, oh, what happens next? I, I know I'm reading it wrong. That's helpful for me, for me personally. When I, when, I feel like, when I feel like asking, what's next? Oh, I need to check myself. A way more helpful question is what did John see next? As Gary Bashir says, apocalyptic literature is designed to make us supernaturally faithful, not supernatural predictors of the future, but level-headed, clear thinkers, warmly loving in tough times. Come on. So instead of a straight plot line, think of a spiral staircase. That's more how Revelation tells the story of Jesus saving and beating Satan, saving us and beating Satan. Over. And you go around, and then you go around again, and then you get all the way up. So one example that kind of shows this is chapter 12. We meet a woman who has a baby. She's pregnant, and she has this baby, and there's this dragon that wants to eat the baby. Again, horrifying. Um, but, but here's the question. When in history did the devil first try to kill baby Jesus? We, we celebrate this holiday every Christmas. I just said it. Christmas right so 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 Revelation 12 is a Christmas Eve text we might even preach through this passage this Christmas Eve for our five-year anniversary the dragon the baby and the mother and God whisks up the baby safely well wait a minute Evan don't we see full-grown Jesus with eyes of fire in chapter 1 and then we see baby Jesus in chapter 12 yes exactly you can't ask what happens next you have to ask what did John see next Keep the big picture in mind. Beware of which side of the staircase you're spiraling and and ask, what is John seeing? And so, uh, number four, how to read the apocalypse, keep your intro glasses on. (laughs) Remember the intro, Brie read the intro. John wants you to wear the intro like 3D glasses the whole time. How do I know this? Because... John makes some wild claims about Jesus that should just end the book right there. The stuff John says about Jesus is like, who could stand against the firstborn from the dead, the Alpha and the Omega? And your glasses should tell you, exactly, read with hope, read with intimacy, read with trust. Keep your intro glasses on. Just look at these things. We're going to go through the intro now as we come to the end of this teaching. Uh, look Look at these claims. They're so bold, I was struck by this. I was struck by how bold this is in our secular age. Jesus is coming, do you have the next slide? Here it is, Jesus is coming and every eye will see him. Imagine just telling your neighbor that, that's bold. And notice it's not Jesus will come one day in the future, it's Jesus is coming, right now he's coming. He's presently breaking in all the time and one day he'll be fully present. And look at this next one, the time is near. And and that that idea of time, there's, there's an element of presence to it in the Greek. That time, the presence, the moment of Jesus is near. Jesus is near you, he's close by you right now. Right now he's behind the curtain. Imagine yourself on a rainy day in the middle of the day, if those clouds would just part, you would absolutely see the sun. Whether or not you believe in the sun, the sun is there. Jesus is here. The time is near. God seems far, but things are more than they seem. Things are more than they seem. What about this one? He says, these things must happen. What things? Well, if the good Jesus, if, if the good Jesus is near, as he is, then listen, the dehumanizing, demonic status quo gets threatened, oppressors and injustice gets upset, pride, racism, entitled attachment to money and privilege, addiction to our own desires and lusts, guess what? Jesus must interrupt that. He must interrupt these things because he's good and he's near. Satan and his friends must be overcome by Jesus. Here's another one. Jesus is the faithful witness. You guys, Jesus stood under pressure. This book's written to people under pressure. Jesus stood under pressure. Death, sin, and Satan all caved in on him, and he stood. Last man standing forever. And now whoever wants to be delivered from sin and death, follow the last man standing forever. Follow Jesus, he points the way to life, he's faithful. Because ultimately, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. You guys, that's why he's the only one who's actually entitled to be the leader of the free world. This is why Revelation will critique militaristic, economic, globally dominant superpowers. That's what Revelation does. Because only Jesus has the right to hold the title of ultimate emperor. Jesus beats Satan in death and shares his victory with those who belong to him. So I'm going to ask Do you belong to Jesus? The way you belong to him is by publicly identifying with his community through the waters of baptism. Have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? to seal yourself into the community of Jesus and say, yes, I belong to the true and faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. If you're wondering, I don't know if I've been baptized, or maybe you're wondering even if you believe, come be baptized today. Align with the goodness of God revealed in Jesus. Be in his family forever. Right now, do you belong to the king? There's one way to make sure you are, to confess and be baptized. We know it doesn't seem like Jesus is in charge, You look around the world and you see bad things. In fact, we know Satan's still in charge in many ways because honestly it feels like nobody's in charge sometimes and that means Satan's in charge because he's the author of Anarchy and Confusion. But listen, things are more than they seem. Let revelation speak to you. Things are more than they seem. I'm having a hard time, I don't know, I'm just struggling with, things are more than they seem. Come to Jesus. Just because you can't see the sun doesn't mean it's there. We can't always see Jesus Christ as ruler, but he is, right now. Because ultimately, Jesus has freed us from our own sins by his blood. You guys, he went after your root problem, my root issue. He frees you to live in a new way and forgive you of your sin. Repent like turn and believe in Jesus today because look what he gets To give us look what he's given us. He made us to be a kingdom and priests to his God. You guys are royal Daughters and sons of Jesus You're royal priests with direct access to God no more red tape direct intimacy with the Creator by the Holy Spirit and This Creator Jesus he says I am the Alpha and Omega if you know your Greek alphabet That's a to Z. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I am the beginning and ending of everything you can think of. Think of anything right now and Jesus is like, I'm the beginning of that and I'm the end of that. You name it. Ephesians one says, the end goal of the cosmos is to be summed up in Christ, A to Z. He's the source of all things and he's the destiny of the universe. Right here in this book, Jesus claims that. And guess why this is good news? Here's why, last thing from the intro. The A to Z, the Alpha and the Omega, look, he loves you. It says this in the intro. Will you please keep these intro glasses on? The true Jesus. The beginning and ending of everything you can imagine, he loves you. And the question becomes, will you respond to his love and join his family? I don't know if you're a Christian here or maybe you're walking away from Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian and you're rethinking your faith and you're struggling. That's okay. There are struggles through all of life. That's why revelation is written to struggling people. The question is, will you respond to his love? Are you willing to respond to his love? We're gonna have a time of prayer immediately after this. There's no one yet signed up to be baptized, but if you wanna be baptized, come forward for prayer. When we invite people for prayer, come and respond to Jesus' love and say, I wanna get back on track. I wanna say yes to the goodness of Jesus in my life. So can you, can you commit with me to reading Revelation through that, through that, those, that intro. Read the intro again for homework this week. It's eight verses and be like, this is my Jesus. Jesus, And this is who loves me. You guys, the main image of the church, your main metaphor in Revelation is you are a bride. We collectively are a bride. And in this book, the groom is putting on a production. That's what this book is. It's a huge play, it's a huge production, and elaborate set designs, costume changes, all to help us see where we are not loving him and to bring us back into courage. Are you feeling fearful? Maybe compromise is happening in your life because you're genuinely afraid. You're like, I don't know what'll happen if I really follow Jesus. You guys, that is who Revelation, you are who Revelation is written to. Take courage. You guys, things are not as they seem. Just like the Son, Jesus is here, he's near. Respond to him. Receive courage from him. And stay loyal to him under pressure to compromise, which means as we stand, can we stand together? The fifth and final way to read Revelation is to worship through it. We're gonna worship through this book, you guys. Bree Golden, one of our pastors, she's the one who read the text today. Last week, she, t- she texted me and she's like, e- Evan, Sandy, like, how, how do I prepare for this book? How do I pray? How do I prepare my heart? And um, any guidance? And I basically just responded, pray that Park Hill Church learns not just how to read Revelation, but how to pray it. Learn how to pray this book how to worship through it. That's my prayer for you, church. As we journey through this together, John's like, I was in prison, I was in pressure, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I saw, I saw. And while he was worshiping, he sees, and Jesus gives him his voice. That breakthrough, I long for that for myself, for all of us. That's the only way we can read this book right, I believe. So come to Seek for Sunday tonight (laughs) and come be baptized right now. So if you have yet to respond to Jesus, maybe you didn't bring any like trunks or bathing suit or whatever, it's okay. We have shirts, we have towels. Come in your street clothes. Be baptized now in response to the goodness of Jesus. You guys, he is behind the veil now. Jesus is here. Like Like the sun on a cloudy day, we just can't see it clearly. And he's saying, come into my family. Respond to my love. Watch what happens when you see reality clearly by saying yes to me. Say yes through baptism now. Come forward to my left and to my right. There'll be people ready to pray for you and we'd love to walk you into the water. And also, if you just need prayer for encouragement, you've already been baptized and you need prayer, come forward, we'd love to pray for you that you would continue to see Jesus clearly. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you reveal the heart of God now? We wanna see you. We wanna see you in our lives. We wanna see you more at work in the way we love people, in the way we respond, in the way we respond to fear. Lord, may we just see your love overcome. So as we come to you now, God, we come humbly and we ask that you'd speak.